We receive the word of the Lord now from the lips of your servant, Dr. Raymond Larson. Let's greet him and make him welcome. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, the story about March 1st has really been poorly communicated by your pastor today. I preceded the best preacher. Um, how many know that you're getting a good taste of God's Word every week with, with Pastor Dean and Pastor Wendell? Turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 5. It is good to be here. Uh, I do want to encourage you, I am not a bookseller, uh, but the Lord had us write a book a few months ago called shift the transfer of wealth. God is about ready to fund the kingdom of God through secular resources and ways. How many know that the Hiltons of the world ought to pay for the kingdom in this hour? Not willingly, but because of the strategies of heaven. So in Joshua chapter 5, as we begin a brief study in Joshua chapter 5, let me make a couple disclaimer statements about mistakes we make about the Bible. Remember, we think as Greek Western thinkers, we don't think the way the Hebrew thought. Uh, back about 323 A.D., we shifted from being an extension or the fullness of the Hebrew mindset into Greek mindset, and they deliberately turned everything upside down. In fact, the way we do taxes today in America is the result of what Constantine did with the Church of Jesus Christ back in 323 A.D. So when we think about, everybody say the word generation. When we think about generation, we're not thinking 20-something 30-something, 40-something, we're thinking about everybody on the planet during a specific given period of time. So whether you are nearly 60 like me or nearly 20 like others, this is your generation. So when we read Joshua, we get this, this misnomer that somehow every person over 60 didn't make it. Let me tell you, there was a group of people that came out of Egypt that were born in the desert or were young men and women, and they prepared and arrived with Joshua Caleb at the right place. I'm telling you, I'm not giving revival to 20-year-olds. I'm in it, and I'm staying in. Hello. I'm not retiring. I am refiring. So in Joshua chapter 5, there are five principles about entering into the promised place. There are some people in this room that God downloaded into you many, many years ago promises and you're going, God, where are they? There are many of them about ready to accelerate and come to pass in the next three to five years. How many have children that Jesus Christ is not their main priority? Anybody? It's time for that to shift today. We're not leaving with no child left behind. Excuse me. Can I preach a little bit to you today? It says in Joshua chapter 5, verse 1, And it came to pass when all the king of the Amorites which were on the side of the Jordan westward, and all the king of the Canaanites were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until they passed over, that their heart melted, neither was their spirit any more in America because of the children of Israel. Lift your hand. Let's pray together real quickly. I know we prayed, but I just need your help. Father, agreement changes everything. There's enough room, people in this room, according to the principle of two or three, to completely change Houston forever. So we come into agreement. We come into that biblical word, symphonial, harmony, not identically look alike, but blending of our hearts and minds and our philosophies together in Jesus' name. Amen. There are five things God's about ready to do on planet Earth, and I want you to participate in thinking about them for a moment with me. Number one. 
How many know that after 40 years of being in the desert, that most Canaanites were convinced that the Hebrews were a disoriented group of ex-slaves? They thought they were circling in the desert. Let me tell you, when it takes you 40 years to make an 11-day journey, people think you ain't got it together. How many ever felt like some people thought you didn't have it together? Come on. Come on. <laughs> Greater is he that is in me. Uh, I can't sing. Let's just get that over right now. My wife's a very accomplished singer. I cannot sing. But listen, I may not have a voice, but I have a song. Are you with me? The first thing God's about ready to do, as I look at American politics for the last 15, 20 years, and the society and the culture we're in, they're absolutely convinced that the church of Jesus Christ has vacated the scene. They're convinced we've given up our authority, and not too dissimilar from that time in, in Hebrew history, God does a preemptive strike against all the spirits, against the people of God. Let me tell you, how many know God has a sense of humor that he literally dried up the, the river 11 miles upstream? Let me tell you, if you've got 10 million people, you need 11 miles. But it started in a place called Adam. It began with Adam. The Red Sea crosses in Adam, and we come to fullness in the second Adam. God, God misses nothing. It says when God dried up the waters that there was no longer left in the spiritual authority of its time the heart to oppose. God's about ready to visit our, our nation, our city, and the world. Let me tell you something. Hear me clearly. If you can make it 5 o'clock tonight, God will greatly benefit you. But the economic, social disaster we are in is the result of man's choice. It's a vacuum made by man. It's a vacuum that God's going to fill with his people. We are the vacuum sealers in this situation. And God's about ready to preemptively strike against a culture that says we are no longer Christian. We no longer believe the principles of God. We don't want it on our, on our courthouse steps. We don't want it in our schools. And the atheists are saying, bye-bye Christianity. God's about ready to do a flyby and do a preemptive strike that's going to freeze the demonic forces that oppose the plan of God. Are you ready for that, people of God? Let's go on. For God to move, we have to move. Do you agree? How many know that everything God does? Boy, this is, this is a really cool-looking... Um, I really thought it was completely, you know, like I, so heavy I could never lift it. Look at this, verse 2. At that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make you sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel a second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives. Let me tell you, two million people getting circumcised is quite a picture. And again, the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made sharp knives, children of Israel, at the hill of the foreskins. Let's not focus on that phrase. And this is why, and this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise. Because all the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness, by the way, after they came out of Egypt. The men of war. Now, all the people came out, were circumcised, but the people that were born in the wilderness, that goes on, verse 6. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war, which came out of Egypt, were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore. And verse 7, and their children whom he raised up in their stead. Then Joshua circumcised. He's really making a point here. When, let me tell you, when he uses the word circumcision four times, pay attention. Uncir they did and it came to pass when they had done all the people that abode in their place in the camp till they were whole. Let me tell you something. When we came to Jesus Christ, and I came to Jesus Christ in 1970, by the way, I didn't find Jesus, he found me. 
I wasn't looking. I wanted nothing to do with him, and he chased me down and tackled me. Hello. This is a far different picture than some of our bumper stickers. It's one thing to come into Christ and be circumcised out of the world, and praise be to God for that. It's another thing to be consecrated for victory and overcoming. And so there had to be a second circumcision to prepare them for what they were about ready to do. Now, we know Paul uses that metaphor frequently, but he applies it to the heart. You get circumcised when you get delivered, and all you can talk about is being born again. But then God wants to begin to form in us a vision and a strategy that requires greater serious devotion to the Father to accomplish it. You know, my wife noticed this, and my wife is here this morning. Hi, honey. Good to have you here. One of the beautiful things that God did is it says after he circumcised them, he let them heal up. How many know sometimes when you're really going through the battles and the preparation, you get a little sore? Your spirit gets weary. Your heart gets tired. And God is not in a hurry with America or this generation. He's healing up a whole group of people that said, we're not living that way. We're not living. We're not leaving. Let me tell you something. I have 12 grandchildren. In the name of Jesus Christ, I'm not leaving what's here for them. Are you with me? You people say, how do you, how come sometimes senior citizens and us get all fired up? Because we ain't living, we ain't leaving to our grandchildren what is here today. So, Number one, God does a strike against darkness. Lift your hands up with me, and let's ask the Lord just to begin that accelerated move right now. Father, we need the governments of the world. We need the principalities that rule over governments to lose heart right now. Pour out a strike of your glory that says to the demonic forces, Uh-oh, we didn't see this coming. And Father, for everybody in this room, I pray right now, you give us a focus that whatever preparation is now needed, whatever, whatever transformation needs to happen in Raymond, bring it now. In Jesus' name. Okay, three more thoughts. Let's go on. Verse 9, and the Lord said to Joshua, this day I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from all off of you, where the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at the evening in the plains of Jericho. Verse 11, and they did eat the old corn of the land on the morrow after Passover unleavened cakes, parched corn in the selfsame day. Look at verse 12, and the manna ceased on the morning after they had eaten the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did, did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Anybody know what manna means? Anybody know what it means? It's the Hebrew word, what is that? When God said, I'm going to feed you, and those little pieces of grain showed up, they go, what is that? You know, sometimes God puts us on diets of spiritual dynamic that we don't understand because he wants us to trust. Literally, the, the key focus today is do we really trust him with our current circumstance? Do we really trust him with the unknown? Do we really know that our children are going to serve the Lord and our grandchildren are going to be greater than us? And do we believe that after all the strategies of man to wipe out America's heritage, do we believe God can restore it? And how many know when God restores, it's to a level above what it was before? God even's made your bones, that when you break a bone, at the point of healing, the bone is stronger than its original strength. God is about to make, make us strong. But here's a key transition for you and I. For the last 20 years, God has fed us on manna. 
We go to conferences and get good words. Every time we need a word, we find a prophet to speak over us. And I am pro-prophetic. I am pro-apostolic. I believe in the fourfold, fivefold, whatever. If you don't believe in the conjunctive word of N, pastors and teachers. Four or five, I don't care. The point is, is what we're about ready to do is God is saying, prepare for the greatest demonstration of my presence you've ever known. But you better start feeding yourself. You know what I need from the prophetic? I don't need them to change my course. I need the Holy Spirit to write on my heart the very words I need to live by. And then from time to time when I'm battling, I need the prophet to come by and say, oh, by the way, you're doing good or make this little adjustment, it'll be better. I don't need revelatory prophecy. I serve the revelator. I don't need someone to tell me to go buy this or go do that. Let me tell you, if I can't buy a house on my own, I'm in trouble. I don't need a prophet to help me buy a house. I don't need a prophet to tell me where to put my kids to school. I need a prophet to reverberate the very words I started with. How many know Paul said often, I don't mind telling you again and again and again. The prophetic comes along and reminds us of what we need in our lives. The reason Pastor Wendell, Dr. Wendell, Reverend Wendell and I get along so well is because it was like we had been at the same school. We had heard the same words. We had heard the sounds of heaven preparing us for this day. So coming off desert rations, God wants to begin to so write his word on your heart that you can't prevent its transformation. You see, I love buildings. The benefit of buildings, and I have built buildings, is that they keep the elements off you. How many love air conditioning in Houston in June? Thank you, Jesus. But that's really the only purpose of the building, because you know what you are? You are a, mo- you are a Holy Ghost mobile home. You carry his presence wherever you go. You're the house that he's built in. He ain't building this house. The only reason this house gets glorious is because you're here. God just shows up where he's fellowshipping with people. But he's hungry for a generation. First of us, we that are grandparents, discipling our grandchildren. My wife is remarkable. She is on with the grandkids at every given moment, speaking. And when they're first born and she's with them and holding them, she's praying in the Spirit in their ear. I mean, strategies that are clever, wise. That the enemy can't stop. How many glad to know that the enemy cannot interpret tongues? How many really? I I am all about that. Off desert rations. Two more thoughts, and then we'll bring some closure. So God brings a preemptive strike. He's about ready to stun the enemy. He's about ready to shoot an arrow into the heart of what they consider their wise center of operation, literally freezing them in their tracks. Let me tell you, I don't chase the demonic. I only go after the demonic when it shows up, it gets in the way. I don't need to be chasing because it, it only shows up when it feels like it's lost its capacity to deal with you. Number two, a re-intimate invention of my conversation with the Father. How many of them, when we're in heaven, we're going to go from glory to glory, and we're going to find new things out about the Father every day we didn't know before? We will never run to the end of who He is. And part of that preparation, even for eternity, is the solidifying of that hunger for the word. Now let's go on. Verse 13, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there was a man that stood opposite him with his, notice it says man, with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? 
Now, one of the other heightened growth spiritual events of the last 20 years is he's made us more aware of the demonic and the angelic. People wrote whole books on it. I don't like to write. I don't like, I don't like to read books on the demonic. I don't enjoy them. I don't enjoy the demonic. But we've needed to learn some strategies. But we are so often intrigued with the paranormal and the, I mean, look at all these shows on TV about paranormal now. <clears throat> We're more intrigued with the event than the reality of the cause. God's about ready to sharpen your and my focus to such a capacity that when someone shows up and he appears to be of another world, we ain't just accepted. I have people say all the time, I want to see an angel. I've never seen an angel. I pray you see an angel. But I'm focused on meeting one person. His name is Jesus Christ. That's the eyes I'm looking into. That's the one I want to see. That's the one where it says, and when we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is fully is. Look at Joshua. It says Joshua was Moses' minister. And what it meant by that is he attended all the stuff no one else wanted to do. So when Moses went into the, the tabernacle, Joshua stood outside. Joshua attended to the details. So this man's been waiting for 40 years. How many feel, forgive me this phrase, how many feel pregnant like it's overdue to give birth? It's about time for that. Honey, you ain't giving birth to nothing else. I'm telling you right now, we're done with that. Five kids and 12 grandkids is a full quiver. Beyond quiver. Now listen to me. God's going to begin to sow in our consecration to know him. So focus our attention like laser beam. When we meet the supernatural, we're going we're gonna to rise in discernment. We're going to go, hey, excuse me. You look like you're from another world. Now, are you with me or you, are, you, are you against me because it's going to change the way I handle you? You ain't invited into this room or in my pathway if you're not who you're supposed to be. And I've been waiting 40 years for this moment. So I'm looking forward to your defeat. Then the man says, no, but I come as the captain of the host of the Lord. Let me tell you something. I, I've never asked the demon his name. But he better announce his attentions right away. And we have the authority to know what he's doing. I don't know if it's a he or she or it or what. It's just ugly. But I know as we need to know. And even angels. I'm not here to enjoy angels. They are messengers of God. They are dispatchers of the truth of God. They are assigned special duties. So if an angel shows up in my life, I'm going to say, okay, what's your duty? I need to know why you're here while I'm here. We're in the same space, same place, two pieces of matter in the same place at the same time. I need to know what you're doing. And that's not sarcastic. That's not critical. I'm just focused for the... I'm believing for 120 years. I am believing for that. But I'm telling you right now, I'm on the second half of this thing. I don't have time to dance with don't belong in my life. Hello. <laughs> How many know you sleep less when you get older? Lift your hand, girl. I wake up at 5 o'clock and I'm ready for the day. Remember when you were 19, you could sleep till 8 or 9 in the morning? That day's long gone for me. I'm up and I'm awake and I want to know what I'm here to do today. Here's the key thing. Then the man of God says to him, he announces that... <laughs> He's the, uh, he's the director of military. He is the Eisenhower of heaven, okay, if I can quote a fan. Or, or um, the other guy I really like. Um, you know, I, I like Schwarzkopf, but the, the other guy, the, the guy that became Secretary of State. Um, 
Yeah, I really like Colin Powell. I don't know why. I just really like him. But we, we're not here for politics. But Colin Powell is the commander at the time, right? This guy's the commander. He says to him, he says, nay. Everybody say nay. But as the captain of the Lord of hosts, I am now come. Let me tell you, when the, when the army commander shows up, war's happening. When they went to Jericho, they knew that the heavenly battle was greater than the earthly battle. See, I, I just love, how many have ever read where it says the rocks will cry out? How many have ever read that? You know, we don't realize, but all CDs are made of silicon, and silicon's made of granite. Literally, when we don't praise them, there are CDs that praise on our behalf and do the job we're supposed to do. You know, how many have ever heard Kurt Franken? That guy can raise a rock, I'll tell you. And let me tell you, that rock he's on is rocking. But the greatest is us. The greatest is we lifting up a harmony of praise and adoration. Let me tell you, in the next five years, we need to accelerate the reverberation of the frequency of heaven that comes to us. We need to raise the bar. I'm telling you, those, those, those walls in Jericho did not fall down. They disintegrated. You can't run across rock. They disintegrated. They hit a pitch from heaven. The angels joined it. Can you, why do you think Jericho didn't fight back? You can't fight a group of people that can disintegrate rocks with their shouts. Then God got a good sense of humor. Are you good? Now listen, here's the key point, and I'm going to close with this. I can be brief. And the pastor, most reverend doctor said, be brief. Here we go. I am now come, and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and did to him what the Lord says. What does my Lord say to his servant? And the captain of the Lord of hosts said to him, Loosen your shoes from off your foot, for the, way, the place whereon you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. You know what the real proof of maturity in Christ isn't celebrating the victories, but after every victory and every defeat, returning the most important position of all, the heart of worship. You know the one thing the enemy can't beat is appraising people. He has no retort. He has no retaliation. He has no way to defeat you that when you're going through. How many have gone through at least one challenge in the last five years? I went through a difficult time back in 1995, and it had to do with some physical health and things. And I, my spiritual mom, who went to be the Lord four months ago, gave me this book called Streams in the Desert. And in Streams of the Desert, someone during World War II wrote a daily devotional of her journey. Did you know for an exact year, hear me people, for an exact year, every, am I safe here with this? Every, how many know we don't want to blow our ears out? Every day what that lady wrote was my exact journey. That God had some lady in 1942 under the occupation of Germany write a daily journey of God speaking to her that spoke to me in 1995. The real proof of the journey of, uh, of we, the people of God, is that whether we're going through a tough time or a victorious time, we don't whine about our problems and we don't celebrate our victories. We turn to the place of worship. We always go back to where it begins and where it is, he says, I, I, let me give you a piece of advice, Joshua. If I were you, I would take your shoes off. And Joshua could have said, you know what? I'm too busy celebrating the river drying up at a place called Adam. We're so busy celebrating our past, we often miss the next, the present. 
We are not going to be so full of God and so dynamically transformed from glory to glory. We're so busy engaged in the journey. We don't got time for the sidewind. Let me tell you, there are no casualties of war. There are only bystanders and engagers. You're not there because you got stuck there. You're there because you're meant to be there. And I say to you right now, we're moving to a season as we, the body of Christ in America, where worship is going to escalate to levels that we won't even be able to write books about. There'll be no way. Have you ever had a moment with God where you're so in Him, there's no words to describe it? We're moving into the indescribable moment of God where people are going to... There was literally a time when I pastored that people would drive by, pull up, walk in, and during worship, come to Christ or get healed or get set free without my preaching. Oh, that doesn't fit what I was trained to do. My worship leader was a, was a concert pianist, and he was no special cookie with worship. He did it because I said, you've got to learn how to do this, buddy. We don't want to just have you. I don't want to pay you that much just to play a piano. He learned worship, and during his obedience to worship, transformations occurred all the place. We had more salvations during worship than we did at altar calls. People run. Why? Because there's something about the worship of God that literally focuses everybody in the room, commands the power of darkness, and brings zero moment. So hear me. I speak over youth. I, whether you're 20 or 60, we are the generation that's here. You're here because God has you here at this time, and I believe God began to write on my heart this morning as we were preparing. Because Pastor Wendell wouldn't have me preach. I said, Wendell, Turn me loose in the first service. I need to be here. He began to download to me that there are promises in this room that you're about ready to be surprised how amazingly rapid and suddenly they come to pass and how they're deeper than you could imagine. How many are ready for promises that end up deeper than you thought? I don't want what I saw. I want what he spoke. So stand up with me if you would. May I have a liberty for a moment? I'm almost done. Stand up with me. First of all, if you've got some promises that are in your journal from 1965, let me tell you this story. My great-great-grandfather, Brother Blix, was a Methodist traveling preacher. The black hat, the black clothes. He was passing over a ford, and he drowned crossing a river. And they found his memoirs, and nobody served the Lord in the Blix-Larson family. I'm a Larson. I'm the runt. I'm 6'3". Everybody else is 6'8". My mom was 5'1". How many know the math adds up? Can you see my six-foot-eight dad with my five-foot five mama? It was an amazing story. But he wrote in there, Lord, at least bring the seed to my family again. Raise up one more spiritual leader in my lineage. Can you imagine when a foul-mouthed, drug-selling kid came to Christ in 1970? It froze the blicks. Because all they had was a memory of a weird great-great-grandfather. And suddenly, loud, Larson blixes are quiet. I'd go, to, I'd go to dinners as a kid and nobody talked. Guess who filled the gap? All of a sudden, God got my mouth. Great days in Wisconsin. Hear me. There's promises. Lift your hand up. Let's, let's call those promises out right now. Father, first of all, we call every one of our children and grandchildren to making Jesus the only priority. Not a part of their life, but their life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but look at me for just a minute. Pastor, what time is it? Okay, thank you, brother. I, I amaze myself with brevity. 
Who's got some chronic illness right now in your body? Chronic illness, just that nagging stuff that never goes away. Anybody here? Like reoccurring spinal pain, leg pain. That's you, sir. Anybody else? Lift your hand up. Yeah, that's you, ma'am. Hey, let me tell you, if we're going to be Joshua and Caleb, and I, and I resemble that, we got to have bodies that can climb Hebron, right? Put your hands up. Let's ask God for dealing. I felt we command chronic illness. We command nerv- nervous injuries. We command the disc to retreat from the nerve. We command the disc to reinflate, rehydrate disc in Jesus' name. We command strength. Our generation is, we grant dads and grandpas, moms and grandmas, we got to take the high hill. We take the high hill. Let the young ones have the valley. We take the mountains by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we corporately agree and put a demand on the promises of God in our lives right now. Our children and our grandchildren will serve the Lord like never before with power and authority and anointing. Lord, I pray you resurge the prayer place of our homes. May Dad take Mom's hand and make sure nothing goes on without prayer. May worship so go to levels we've never known before that nothing can stop the penetration. Just like Daniel chapter 10, Michael says, there was resistance. I had to get through, but you brought it in prayer. You brought the resistance down. Father, number one, in our individual lives and in the house, in the, in the life of this house, stun the enemy now. I pray for drug users to come to Christ. I pray for children to return to Jesus Christ. I pray for prosperity on companies like never before. Now, right now, if you disagree this with me, and I'll turn it over to Pastor, would you consecrate yourself not for coming out of darkness, but for going into promise? It's time for promise. Lord, I ask you, Father, through Jesus Christ, that you would just right now accelerate the fulfillment of the promises in this room. We are ready. And Lord, we invite you to supernaturally manifest your glory and silence the enemy. We love your word. We we are starving for more and more of you through your word. Thank you for the prophet and the apostle as as Pastor Wendell is. Thank you for them. But I'm going to feed myself like never before. <laughs> Lord, I pray for a joy unspeakable this week over this of the people in this room. We can't help laugh and we can't help having joy. For greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Let me just, with eyes closed, one thought. The authority of this house is in this room. Because elder means experience. Elder means, elder means I've done that, been there, done that, bought the book. We've bought the book. In fact, we should be writing the book in this room. So we place a demand that what you, from the core birth of Church of Champions, we place a demand on the reason God birthed it, 
bring it all to maturity. We pray hedge of protection around Pastor Wendell and his team. As they lead us and their wives, let there be vibrancy of spirit like never, ever before. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, I'm going to turn over your pastor now. I'm not interested in trying to get you to do two services, but I'm not preaching this in the second hour. I'm preaching on the ship that's come. And got a couple videos. If you can come, feel free. You know what? If you can't come, have a great day. You know what? God ain't leaving you just because you're leaving the meeting. But if you want a little more truth, it's here. Bless you. Awesome. Awesome. We want to invite you to the second service. It's going to be a powerful encounter. I thank the Lord for the words that we've heard already. The most important point in any service is the moment we stand in right now. And if there's anyone here that's not ready to meet God in eternity, you ought to bow your head for just a moment and think about where you are. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Because death is the steward that keeps his appointments. And he roams the range of humanity, seeking hearts and lives. And there's not one of us that are going to escape unless the Lord comes back first. There's not one of us that's not going to have an appointment to see Jesus Christ face to face. And I want to ask you, are you ready to meet him this morning? Are you ready to meet him this morning? Have you repented of your sins? Have you been filled with his spirit? Have you been born again? Nicodemus came to Jesus and he said, I want you to tell me what I must do to be saved. And he said, you must be born again. John 3, 3. You must be born again of the water and of the spirit. The stuff that Dr. Larson has been talking about is a transformation, a consecrated point where we say, Lord, no longer will we live by the strategies of men, but we will live by the strategies of heaven. You cannot do that in the flesh. You cannot do that in the realms of carnality. You have to make up your mind. I'm going to put on the mind of Jesus Christ. Amen? How many want to be saved this morning? Raise your hand. Lord Jesus, we thank you right now for saving every life in this room. We thank you for making provision available to every life to sustain us, O oh God. No longer we will look as dependence upon manna, but we will look for the investments of heaven to be manifested through our hands. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the labor of our hands and the work of our faith, we declare your kingdom come in the name that is above every name. Somebody shout hallelujah. Praise God. Hug somebody's neck. Tell them you love them in Jesus' name. And we'd love to see you next door in the sanctuary at 1030.